are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. You will be able to interact with me and other listeners. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 157. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 513 to 521. Chapter 13. The Most Holy Mary is informed of the will of the Lord that His only begotten Son be circumcised. And she confers about it with St. Joseph. The Most Holy Name of Jesus is brought from heaven. 513. From the moment the most prudent virgin found herself chosen as the mother of the divine word, she began to ponder upon the labors and sufferings in store for her sweetest son. As her knowledge of scripture was so profound, she understood all the mysteries contained therein, and she began to foresee and prepare with incomparable compassion for all that he was to suffer for the redemption of man. This sorrow, foreseen and expected with such a full knowledge of details, was a prolonged martyrdom for the most meek mother of the sacrificial lamb of God. Jeremiah 11.19 But in regard to the circumcision which was to take place after the birth of the child, the heavenly lady had received no command or intimation of the will of the Eternal Father. This uncertainty excited the loving solicitude and sweet plaints of the tender and affectionate mother. Her prudent foresight enabled her to conjecture that as her most holy son had come to honor and confirm his law by fulfilling it, and as he had, moreover, come in order to suffer for men, he would be constrained by his burning love, and by other motives to undergo the pains of circumcision. 5.14 On the other hand, her maternal love and compassion longed to exempt her sweet child, if possible, from this suffering, Moreover, she knew that circumcision was a rite instituted for cleansing the newborn children from original sin, whereas the divine infant was entirely free from this guilt, not having contracted it in Adam. In this hesitation between love of her divine Son and obedience of the Eternal Father, the most prudent virgin practiced many heroic acts of virtue, unspeakably pleasing to His Majesty. Although she could have easily escaped this uncertainty by directly asking the Lord what was to be done, yet being as humble as she was prudent, she refrained. Neither would she ask her angels, for with admirable wisdom she awaited the opportune time and occasion 
assigned by divine providence for all things. And she would not presume curiously to search or pry into his decrees by consulting supernatural sources of information, especially in order to rid herself of any suffering. When any grave and doubtful affair arose in which there was danger of offending God, or some urgent undertaking for the good of creatures in which it would be necessary to know the divine will, she first asked permission to submit her petition for the enlightenment regarding the divine pleasure. 5.15. This does not conflict with what I said in Book 2, Chapter 10, namely that the Most Holy Mary undertook nothing without asking permission and counsel of God, for this consultation concerning the divine pleasure was not coupled with the desire of special revelation. In this, as I have said, she was most discreet and diffident, rarely asking for such extraordinary intervention, without aspiring to a new revelation. She was in the habit of consulting the habitual and supernatural aid of the Holy Ghost, who governed and guided her in all her actions, in directing her faculties by this interior light. She perceived the greater perfection and sanctity open to her in the affairs and transactions of everyday life. Although it is true that the Queen of Heaven possessed special claims and rights to be informed of the will of God in different ways, yet, as she was the model of all sanctity and discretion, she would not avail herself of this supernatural order and direction, except in such cases as were appropriate. As for the rest, she guided herself by fulfilling to the letter the words of David, as the eyes of the handmaid are on the hands of her mistress, so are our eyes unto the Lord our God, until he have mercy on us. Psalm 122.2 But this natural and ordinary light in the mistress of the world was greater than that of all the mortals together, and in it she sought the fiat of the divine will. 5.16 The mystery of the circumcision required a special and particular dispensation, it demanded a separate enlightenment of the Lord, and for this the prudent mother was waiting. In the meanwhile, addressing in these words the law that required it, she said, O law made for all, thou art just and holy, but thou didst afflict my heart by the hardness. If thou art to wound him, who is thy life and thy author? That thou shouldst inflict thy sufferings upon those who must be cleansed of guilt is just. But that thou shouldst visit with thy severity the innocent, who is without fault, Hebrews 7.26, seems the excess of rigor, unless his own love concedes this right to thee. O oh, would that it might please my beloved to exempt himself from this punishment! But how shall he refuse to undergo it, since he came to speak plain, to embrace the cross, to fulfill and accomplish the law, Matthew 5.27. O cruel knife, would thou couldst direct thy attacks upon my own life and not upon the Lord who gave it to me? O my son, sweet love and light of my soul, is it possible that thou so soon shalt shed thy blood, which is more precious than heaven and earth? My loving compassion inclines me to hold thee exempt from the common law from which thou art excluded as its author. But the desire to fulfill it urges me to comply with it, leaving thee a prey to its rigor, unless thou, my sweet life, art willing to damage the decree and punish me instead. The human nature which thou hast from Adam, my lord, I have given thee, but without its fault or guilt, 
since in thy omnipotence thou hast preserved it among all the rest from original stain. Since thou art the Son of the Eternal Father in the figure of his substance, Hebrews 1.3, and since thy generation is eternal, thou art infinitely removed from sin, why then, my Lord, should thou subject thyself to the remedy provided for sin by the law? Yet am I aware, my son, that thou art the teacher and redeemer of men, and that thou must confirm thy precepts by the example? Thou wilt not yield the least point in this matter. O Eternal Father, let the knife now lose its sharpness, and the flesh its sensitiveness. Let pain descend rather upon me, insignificant wormlet. Let thy only begotten Son fulfill the law, but let me alone feel the punishment. O inhuman and cruel sin, which so soon profferest the gall to him, who cannot be guilty of thee, O sons of Adam, abhor and fear sin, which, for a remedy, demands bloody punishment of the Lord and God himself. 5.17 Such grief the sorrowful mother mixed with the joy of seeing the only begotten of the Father, born of her and resting in her arms. And thus she passed the days which remained before the circumcision, being faithfully attended by her most chaste spouse, Joseph. To him alone she spoke of the circumcision, yet only a few words mixed with the tears of compassion of them both. Before the eight days after the birth were completed, the most prudent queen placed herself on her knees in the presence of the Lord, and thus addressed him, Highest Father, King, Highest King, Father of my Lord, Ephesians 5.2, Behold here thy slave with the true sacrifice and victim in her arms. My sighs and their cause are not unknown to thy wisdom, Psalm 37.10. I know, my Lord, what according to the law is thy pleasure and what should be done with thy son. If by suffering much more rigorous pains I can rescue my son and God, my heart is prepared. But I am likewise ready to see him submit to circumcision, if that is thy will. 5.18 The Mosai answered her, saying, My daughter and my dove, do not let thy heart be afflicted, because thy son is to be subjected to the knife and to the pains of circumcision. I have sent him into the world as an example, that he put an end to the law of Moses, by entirely fulfilling it. Matthew 5.17 Though it is true that the habitation of his humanity, which thou hast given him as his natural mother, is to be violated, and his flesh wounded together with the soul, yet remember, he is my natural son by an eternal generation. Psalm 2.7 The image of my substance, Hebrews 1.3, equal to me in essence, majesty, and glory, and by thus subjecting himself to the sacramental law, freeing from sin, John 10.30, without letting man know that he is exempt therefrom. He suffers also in his honor, 2 Corinthians 2.21, Thou knowest beforehand, my daughter, that thou must reserve thy only begotten and mine for this and other greater sufferings. Resign thyself then to the shedding of his blood and willingly yield to me the first fruits of the eternal salvation of men. 5.19 To this decree of the eternal Father, the heavenly lady is the cooperatrix of our salvation, conformed herself with such a plenitude of all sanctity, as is far enough beyond human understanding. 
With complete and most loving obedience, she offered up her only begotten, saying, Supreme Lord and God, I offer to thee this victim and host of acceptable sacrifice with all my heart. Although I am full of compassion and sorrow that men have offended thy immense goodness in such a way as to force a God to make amends, eternally shall I praise thee for looking with such infinite love upon thy creatures and for preferring to refuse pardon to thy own Son rather than hinder the salvation of man. Ephesians 5.2 I, who by thy condescension am his mother, must, before all other mortals, subject myself to thy pleasure, and therefore I offer to thee the most meek lamb, which is to take away the sins of the world by his innocence. John 1.29 But if it is possible to mitigate the pains caused by this knife at the expense of suffering in me, thy arm is mighty to effect this exchange. 520. Most Holy Mary issued from her prayer and requested St. Joseph to take the necessary steps for the circumcision of the divine infant. With rarest prudence, she avoided telling him anything of what she had been told in answer to her prayer. She spoke as if she wished to consult him or ask his opinion in regard to the circumcision, saying that the time appointed by law for the circumcision of the child had arrived. And since they had not received any orders to the contrary, it seemed necessary to comply with it. They themselves, she said, were more bound to please the Most High, to obey more punctually his precepts, and to be more zealous in the love and care of his Most Holy Son than all the rest of creatures, seeking to fulfill in all things the divine pleasure in return for his incomparable favors. To these words, St. Joseph answered with the greatest modesty and discretion, saying that, as no command to the contrary had been given concerning the child, he wished in all things to conform himself to the divine will manifested in the common law, that although, as God the incarnate word was not subject to the law, yet he was now clothed with our humanity, and as a most perfect teacher and savior, no doubt wished to conform with other men in its fulfillment. Then he asked his heavenly spouse how the circumcision was to take place. 521. The Most Holy Mary answered that the circumcision should be performed substantially in the same way as it was performed on other children, but that she need not hand him over or consign him to any other person, but that she would herself hold him in her arms. And because the delicacy and tenderness of the infant would make the ceremony more painful to him than to other children, they should have at hand the soothing medicine which was ordinarily applied at circumcision. Moreover, she requested St. Joseph to procure a crystal or glass vessel for preserving the sacred relic of the circumcision of the divine infant. In the meanwhile, the cautious mother prepared some linen cloths to catch the sacred blood, which was now for the first time to be shed for our rescue, so that not one drop of it might be lost or fall upon the ground. After these preparations, the heavenly lady asked St. Joseph to inform the priest and request him to come to the cave, where, without the necessity of bringing the child to any other place, he might, as a fit and worthy minister of so hidden and great a sacrament, with his priestly hands perform the rite of the circumcision. This concludes our reading today for day number 157, in which we read from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 513 to 521. One of the things I've commented on before has been the knowledge of Mary pertaining to sacred scripture. We heard it again today. As her knowledge of scripture was so profound, she understood all the mysteries 
contained therein. And she began to foresee and prepare with incomparable compassion for all that he was to suffer for the redemption of man. This sorrow foreseen and expected with such a full knowledge of details was a prolonged martyrdom for the most meek mother of the sacrificial lamb of God. What Maria Vagrida is telling us then is that Mary, because of her knowledge of sacred scripture, that she knew some of the things already that were going to happen. This would be confirmed as they bring the child the 40th day into the temple to present him to the Lord. And then Simeon says the things that will happen, that he will be a sign of contradiction. She already has this foreknowledge because she's heard the scriptures and she understands them and knows how they relate to Jesus. I think the second thing that should be brought out today as we focus on the circumcision of Jesus, and this used to be a feast actually that was celebrated. It was actually the January 1st feast now called Mary, Mother of God. And so that was the traditional feast of the circumcision of Jesus, that it was celebrated uh, and reflected upon uh, in a liturgical way. We hear that Mary grapples with the fact that, well, Jesus doesn't really need to be circumcised. If this was really a baptism in a sense of removing original sin, well, then the Son of God has no need for circumcision. But she consults God in prayer. She confers with St. Joseph and both resolve that they must do what the law suggests, that God's will is manifested through the law. And so they bring Jesus to be circumcised. Well, Jesus has to undergo all of these different things. We call it the soteriological principle that what is not assumed is not redeemed. So Jesus undergoes all of these things for the redemption of mankind. He becomes one like us in all things but sin. But also, if we think about the life of Jesus, there were other things that were unnecessary. I'll never forget uh, praying the Luminous Mysteries with Father Benedict Rochelle. There was a CD out there. And he would always give this reflection about the baptism of the Lord, that he had no need of it, but yet he chose to do it. Well, that's really what's happening here. He has no need of circumcision, but he's choosing. His parents are choosing on his behalf. Mary, the 40th day after the birth of Jesus, the purification of Mary as it once was called, now the presentation of Jesus. The first child that opens the womb while she had to be purified in the temple. Well, Mary, as the Immaculate Conception, had no need of purification. But yet she undergoes what it is that she's supposed to do. Maybe at times in our own life, there are things that maybe we don't need to do. Seems kind of superfluous for us to do it. But we end up performing the task or doing what we're asked out of obedience. And that's really the takeaway from the circumcision of Jesus, that they are obedient to the law and to Almighty God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you.
and Mary pray for you.